Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Jake, today we have a serious legend on. Yeah, crazy, huh? It is absolutely insane. So welcome to SUS, Share Your Scare, where we talk to different people with different stories about survival, paranormal, and all things SUS. I'm your host, Brennan Taylor, and I'm here with my brother, Jake. What's up? And today, our guest has more awards under his belt than I do teeth in my mouth. He's a professional dirt biker, one-half founder of Metal Militia, a father of three, and an all-around crazy bamf. Badass motherfucker. All right, let's welcome to the podcast, Brian Deegan. What up, guys? What up? What's happening, bro? Thank you for joining the podcast, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for thinking of me. Of course, dude. Actually, funny story before we actually start the podcast. This is like pre-2010. We went to X Games, and (laughs) I was on a mission to get everyone's signatures. Like while I was there, I was just a little kid. I was like 12 years old. And I believe I have your signature sitting in front of me. I need you to let us know if this is your signature because we got a bunch of signatures. Like I got Matt Hoffman's on this hat. Yeah. We think this is your signature. Yeah, it is. is. (laughs) And Jake, yeah. Talk to you there. Yeah, Philip. some way, somehow, I snuck into where all the dirt bikes, like where you put your dirt bike, like in your trailer at the end of the yeah. night. And as I walked up to you, must have got your autograph right then and there, talking to you a little bit. It was literally just me, you, and I think it was your wife was there, and you were taking mm-hmm. your jersey off. And I was like, hey, bro, can I have your jersey? <laughs> and your wife is like, no, 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 don't give it away. And <laughs> like, Sorry, dude. So that's engraved in my memory. <laughs> but, oh, know, geez. It's full circle moment yeah. now you're on the podcast. That's absolutely insane, man. Yeah, I'll have to give you a jersey now. Oh, hell yeah. I would <laughs> yeah. appreciate that. <laughs> you'll, you'll make his childhood dreams come true. There check. it is. Maybe we'll get that bad memory out of your mind then. <laughs> <laughs> Scarring. Yeah, man. But enough, enough about us. We want to know about you. We know you started riding at like eight years old. That's, yep. that's young, dude. How did you like convince your parents to get you a bike at eight years old? Yeah, it's kind of a, I mean, long story, but long story short, it's uh, my dad was a teacher and uh, he was, I was pretty much raised, I'd say, by my dad there. And he and he really was not into dirt bikes. And, and I got very lucky. My neighbor moved in from Europe and this guy named Steve. And, and I was I was like, I was like eight, nine years old. And he was more a teenager, 15, 16. He was kind of like the cool dude, long like the long hair and like dirt yeah. bike. Well, this is like kind of in the 80s, you know? And yeah. and uh, he, he raced motocross. And I just was so infatuated with like the dirt bike and, and his style. And I so I just like really hung out there every day and then begged my dad for a dirt bike. He made me get a paper out and like earn the money. And eventually I yeah. did. And, and, uh, and then I got a dirt bike. So that's how it started. What was your first dirt bike? Like, what did you ride? Uh, first dirt bike was really, it was like a really old used Honda. Like it was a Honda 75. Like it was just like a little, you know, pit bike ish style dirt bike, yep. but I didn't know anything about dirt bikes or motocross. So I bought the bike where I could afford, I think it was like 300 bucks. And, wow. and, <laughs> and I like worked on it. And eventually my dad saw that, like, that's what I really liked or loved. And, and he ended up buying me a new dirt bike for Christmas. And then that's when it all started. That's, that, crazy. that's awesome, dude. And like, so what was it like like what moment made was it the guy moving in that made you want the dirt bike in the first place or did you have some kind of curiosity with dirt biking before he moved in man it was really it was really him bringing the dirt bike uh I, I think I always did look at dirt bike magazines like I had dirt bike magazines but- and I was really I had infatuated by motorcycles like I just thought they were super cool and 
and him moving in was kind of like the final deal that like showed me what it was. Cause I didn't even know it. It was like a, it's, it was like a different a group or, or, or um, a whole different world that existed that I didn't know about. Like, so I grew up in Nebraska, like in the, like, you know, it's like cornfields and, <laughs> yeah. and my grandma owned a huge farm and uh, we, you know, it was nothing to do with motocross in that area. So my neighbor took me to the races and they had this whole different community of guys that rode dirt bikes. And, and I'm like, man, that was so cool. And I seem to get along so good with those guys. And, and then that's when it just kind of took off. And then my dad would take me to the races and we, and then we ventured out to like Oklahoma, Texas, you know, end up going to the nationals, which are in Tennessee, which still are to this day in Tennessee. And so we ended up racing nationals, ended up winning and, and got a deal with Kawasaki and, and, uh, and I ended up kind of chasing that, you know, for, for many years. That's sick. So you, how old were you when you got that deal? Is that like one of your first big like sponsorships, right? Yeah. So the way it worked when I was young, I, I you know, I didn't have any sponsors and, and my dad, uh, my dad was a real business guy. And, and so he is, I had to get like good grades. I had to like, everything was real, real uh, business style. And so he made me write letters to all the companies within the magazines. So this is like back before there was internet. Right. <laughs> so like he had magazines and, and I go through them and get the, the addresses for each company and I write them a letter, you know, Hey, I'm Brian Deegan. I race dirt bikes, you know, and da, 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 my whole resume written down and I sent it to eventually a few of them wrote back and said, okay, we'll sponsor you. But it was like a C sponsorship would be like 10% off or like, which I didn't care. Cause to me, that was sponsorship. Yeah. I was like, I'm sponsored and, and, uh, stickers are all over my bike. And, and then it started, um, really took till a few years in till like I, tra- I practiced every day. And, and, uh, one, I started winning local nationals and stuff and, and, uh, in the 60 class. And then, uh, that's when team green, my dad was a you know good talker, so he talked to Kawasaki at the nationals, and I said, "Yeah, I would be interested in helping your kid." So he ended up giving me a couple bikes and parts, which is like yeah. that was the deal. I mean, that's what you got for a sponsorship, and it. it was enough to get me going for sure. It was it was pretty cool. Yeah, so I watched a video. I'm not sure where it came from, but mm-hmm. I I saw that you got your first like outfit for under twenty dollars. Yeah, and you were wearing like mountain like hiking boots when you were first riding. Oh yeah, I don't know if I have any pictures of that, but. <laughs> Yeah, my first race was at Winterset, Iowa, and uh, my my dad didn't even go. My neighbor took me, and was old. He had an old Ford pickup truck, and we about every thirty minutes we had to pull pull over and pour water in the radiator because it oh, overheat. Wow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we had like the, the the wood ramp to put the bikes in, and and I you know I went to the track and I saved up I had like ten fifteen bucks from my paper route uh, pay. And, uh, so I went to the track and they had this little motocross shack and, uh, they were selling a set of gear and it was like, you know, like I said, it was like 10 bucks for the gear and I was a Jersey and pants and, and the boots and the boots were these old wore out boots. They're the old, like kind of Mad Max boots that kind of with the big straps oh, yeah, yeah, down yeah, the yeah. side. Yeah. And they were like size, like I was probably a size five or something. They were like size nine, you know? <laughs> so that, I was just so pumped to have boots. Yeah. I bought them. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. But that was kind of my first go of it for sure. Yeah, that's I mean, cool. hey, if they work, they work, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I was so excited just to be part of it. It was cool. So, question: you you started off in Supercross, and then a lot of those Supercross guys they don't go into freestyle. So, like, yeah. how did you end up doing both, or like, how did you start one way and then just decide to like change? Yeah, I mean, there's you know, Supercross for me that was my goal and and I worked towards that and that was like the thing I wanted to want to be a supercross racer and I you know moved to California when I graduated high school and I was you know basically moved there with like nothing I didn't have really any much money I just asked my dad to give me a chance to let me try it was right when I was turning pro when I graduated 
my dad wanted me to go to college. And I said, okay, I'll go to college. I'll come back and go to college if I don't make it, you know? And so we had that agreement. So I went to California. I ended up like literally sleeping on my buddy's floor. And like, I was like, started off with like literally nothing, just my dirt bike and my truck. And, you know, I ended up racing, uh, getting on a team that was like a privateer team. And I was, you know, enough to race supercross, you know, my winnings were enough to eat and, and stay out there. And then, uh, I, I just trained really, really hard. And so I'd always beat the guys through physical conditioning and my bikes were always really slow. Uh-huh. but um anyway it kind of came down to that to one night at the la coliseum which is the biggest race of the year and you know i came out of the gate you know second third you know i came basically within the first few laps was was battling for the lead the, the leader started fading and these are factory riders like a factory rider is a guy who gets paid a salary to race the best bikes it's yamaha kawasaki honda they usually only pick one rider and so these are the best of the best guys and I was always just missing that mark to get a factory ride. And I just felt like it was probably didn't, just didn't know the right people. I didn't grow up in California. So, but I was beating these guys and, uh, and I, I, with a bike I bought at a shop. And so I ended up passing this guy for the lead. I could hear the crowd cheering and, and, uh, and I was nervous. I'm like, man, I'm going to win a supercross, yeah, which is pretty cool. crazy. And, and, uh, and I remember I didn't fade cause I always trained super hard and I didn't get tired. Most guys were starting to get tired and fade and I was pulling away and then I uh, go to the finish line. I'm like, I don't know what to do. Like, I, I, I didn't plan on winning. So I go to the finish line, and I just ghost rode my bike over the finish. Like, I launched it yeah, <laughs> over this yeah. big double. And it, and it lands perfect and rolls off the track. And I'm, like, cheering, like, that I won. And the second, third are, like, racing over my head. And, and, and it was such a cool moment, like, iconic moment that, uh, like, it, it, it's like still to this day, the most talked about thing for a supercross finish. And they ended up finding me taking my prize money and like the AMA, the guys are on the series or anything. They, they tried to take away the win. It was like, got real oh. dramatic there for a minute. Wow. But anyway, so from that point on, I, I couldn't get the factory ride. So I kind of was like, all right, what am I going to do? And I was still young. And, and that's when me and Pastrana, Metzger, a few guys that race supercross were like, started doing tricks on dirt bikes. And then we, that started turning into this big video craze you know, kind of when that whole video movement happened with right. skate and BMX yeah, and, yeah. and moto. And that's when like the, cause called the crusty demons of dirt videos came out and there, it was a snowboard film crew that did some of the best snowboard movies started doing moto movies. All they did was show the lifestyle of moto, which has never been done before. And it blew up. It was like, so we're doing tricks on dirt bikes. All of a sudden I started getting paid from sponsors that were like at knees, like, like, like companies that weren't in the industry. Right. I was getting paid and I was like, all right, I can get paid to ride freestyle. And we created a sport and brought it to X games. So in 99 was the first X games freestyle motocross competition in San Francisco. And, and we went, it was, you know, that's when Pastrana did the backflip into the Bay and he got arrested for it. Got in trouble. And we battled for the win that day. And that's when Hanson's energy came to me. The, the, the president was like, Hey, would you be willing for me to sponsor you? And I'm like, I don't know. I was kind of, I wore like all black and spikes. I was like right, the militia yeah. guy. Yeah, like we, we were the bad guys, great. you know, we, we like were the slayer and, and um, like Guar and right, we yeah. were just like the rebel dudes, you know? And then Pastrana was a good guy. And, and so this company comes to me, I was like, I want to sponsor you. I was like, I don't know. It's pretty corporate. Like, I don't know if I want to. And they're like, we'll pay you 2,500 bucks a month. I was like, what? I was like, dude, <laughs> yeah. it's so much money at the time. And and so I ended up, you know, doing a deal with Hans Energy, which helped me carry on through freestyle. And they, that eventually turned into Monster. So I was the first Monster athlete when it started. 
And, uh, but anyway, that's kind of how I transitioned into freestyle motocross. And I just ran with that and we ran with the militia that blew up freestyle blew up X games blew up. So it was just good timing. So you guys were like the pioneers of freestyling. So like off of dirt biking for a second, what was it like? Like, you know, you guys were like iconic, you know, I mean, not that you not anymore, but you still are, but like at this time, like this was the prime, like what was like life like for you? You know, like was the parties crazy? Like these like, being shown all the time. Like, I'm curious. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I probably need to do a tell all documentary one day. You have to, man. <laughs> but yeah, if you think about it, all I could say is, we were like probably a mini like rock star, like mini Motley right. Crew style crew that got to travel the world and get paid to go to these countries like Australia, New Zealand, Europe. And, we, and then we'd show up to these packed stadiums, like, you know, 50, 60,000 people to come to watch us ride. And, and it was like people screaming and crying. And like, it was like, you know, like, dude, it was like rock star status. Yeah. And like literally everything that went along with that, like that was real. Like, like, if you think about how gnarly probably things went down Motley Crue, it's probably pretty much the same thing. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. But, I mean, there, there was that, like, destroyed hotel rooms, dirt bikes launching into the pools, you know, like, like just jumping rental cars, destroying them, like, everything you could possibly do, we did back Real? in the day. Wow. So, it was fun. That's insane. So, like, when you, when you are racing and when you are about to hit that backflip or whatever it is you're about to do, like – what's going on in your mind? Like, I'm curious. Like, I know like when I made a goal in soccer, I was pretty like, when it's happening, but like, I can only imagine about to hit a back. Like, what are you thinking of? Yeah, John, you know, the, the, the gnarliest thing was when we started freestyle, the, the tricks really didn't exist. And we didn't know a backflip could even be done on a dirt bike. And, and once that started getting created, you know, there was a guy like Mike Metzger was kind of the first guy to master the backflip. And um, so once he did it and Pastrana did it, I was like, man, those are the two dudes I battle with for gold medals. I have to do it. And yeah. I was like, I was scared. I'm like, dude, I don't want to backflip a dirt bike. I didn't think it was the impossible. So I went and tried it a few days before X Games. I, I put a ramp, uh, kicked it up real steep. And then I, I put wood chips on the landing because I didn't have a foam pit. No one had one. And so I put wood chips on the landing and I, I tried a few backflips. and I crashed so bad. And and then I, I remember going to X Games that year, and then Metzger did all the flips and won everything. I'm like, dude, I'm done. Like, I ain't going to ever win again. Yeah. And that made me so mad. Like, I was like, dude, I can't be done already. So I went out and was like, all right, I'm back flipping. And I remember lining up to the ramp. It was just me and a filmer, and no one was there. And I was like, I'm just going to just don't let go. Because my natural instinct, because being a moto guy, when you go upside down, you, you get away from the bike. Yeah. It's just a natural instinct from racing moto for so long. Once you get out of control, you got to get away. So I had to force myself once I went off that ramp. I remember thinking about it in my mind going, okay, right now you're either going to do this backflip or you're going to be done. You're done competing in freestyle motocross. And I'm like, dude, I, I have to do it. I'm like, but I'm like, dude, in about a few minutes, you could be in the hospital. You know, like right. this trick could literally kill you right now. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I don't have any medics here. And, and I remember just sitting that fine, just blocked it out. I said, dude, go. And, and I just went and I just remember hitting the ramp and, and going, just pulling back and hanging on, just leaving the gas on. And it just it was like, no, 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 no. It comes. And then next thing you know, I'm looking at the ground. I'm like, I'm landing. I'm like, no way. I landed it, committed to it. It was probably one of the hardest things I've done in my career was just committing and get, blocking that fear out because of the fear was trying to get me not to do it. And so I just remember, I'm like, I don't even know how I did that. So I just went back and did it again and again and again. And, and then finally, like 10, 15 into my crash, boom. And I was like, all right, I got it. I think I'm good. <laughs> so I took it to the events and I, and I started flipping. And, and then that turned into uh, X Games. 
a year or two later in Pastrana, I saw him doing some stuff in his foam pit and I didn't have one. Oh, I just got a foam pit and he had the foam pit for a while. He was doing this 360 looking thing. And I'm like, dude, well, he's going to do a 360. And then, uh, so I was like, he's going to beat me at X scan. So a few days before X, I, I like figured it out. I started doing this 360. Uh, and then I went to X games watching his run. I'm like, he ain't going to do it. Like he's, he's too gnarly. So it was my last run at X games. I'm like, dude, I'm sending it. I'm like, the medics are here. TV's here. Like it's, I gotta go because if I get hurt, at least the medics are right there. And, and so I come around for the ramp and I just see the crowd was packed. This was like, it was at LA Coliseum again where I won the Supercross. And so this iconic, two iconic moments. And the stadium was full, like crazy packed. And I just remember coming around, looking around. I was like, bro, I hit the ramp and I just carved it. Looked over my shoulder and did like a perfect flat 360. And I remember coming down. I was like, like sideways. And lucky I landed down the side of the landing and like 50-50 yeah. the landing and rode out of it. It was just all meant to be. And, and then I rode to the landing, threw my bike down. And the whole crowd was on their feet. I was like... It was such a cool moment, and, and that's like was probably one of my iconic moments of yeah, freestyle we, motocross. We you know, so we were like, "That's fucking insane!" Pulled that <laughs> off, man, because like I didn't even think like you were gonna land that, but you did. And, and did Travis ever say anything? Because like he was practicing that move. Like, did he ever? Say yeah, something? yeah. <laughs> so the way, so yeah, because forever that was that was the fight, right? So me and him always had a grudge match, and so forever it was who truly did the 360 first right. you know so that was the the battle which i was the first one to land it on dirt he may have done it in a foam pit but on, on dirt bikes yeah it counts when you land it on dirt so i ended up calling him on my podcast on on the deegan's um podcast and we we hashed it out on there on an episode and, and he was like well dude I was in my trailer and, and my buddy ran and there was like, no way Deegan just landed the 360. And he was like, he was like that moment. I was just like, no way. So he, he's like, I had to go do it. So he went out and tried it and he had crashing in his run. And, and uh, then he crashed and he got up and did like a timeout and ESPN loves Travis. Uh-huh. So they're like, Oh yeah, go again, go again. And like stop the clocks and all this. And I was like, no way. Oh, I'm like, this is so bunk. And and so he goes out and lands it the second time and he ends up winning the event. And, and I was like, dude, that was so, but at the end of the day, I got to claim it. Exactly. So I was like, you can take your gold medal. I claim the trick. Well, so it was, right, it was pretty uh, funny. You snooze, you lose, you know, you pulled that off, man. That's yeah. absolutely insane. So if, if like, you know, social media was like a thing back then, like if, like as big as it, as it is now with like mm-hmm. TikTok and, you know, Instagram and all that stuff, how do you think like, your fame and stuff would have been different, you know? Man, there's so many things that happen in my life. I've had so many near-death experiences. I've had, like, you know, so many moments that have been so gnarly. I always feel like there's a lot of things that happen for a reason in my life, and I feel like if I would have had social media when I was younger, I probably would have gave me money too early more than I could have handled. And, and uh, you know, it would have got me in trouble a lot. <laughs> You know, the, the cameras on the phones all the time. Right, like, yeah. people oh, watching gosh. I'm so day. glad that I we mean, didn't have that. Yeah, there's like that kid, Axel Hodges, that's killing yeah. it. And he's all over TikTok doing crazy stuff. And you're just like, that, that would have been you. if. It yeah, was, but think you know? about like if, just put it this way. It'd be like Axel Hodges is a very G-rated version of anything we did. Like, <laughs> yeah. So like he is like super G. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, like it, this would be like Tommy Lee riding a dirt bike is pretty much what he did. <laughs> like that was like. That's what we did. Yeah, that's <laughs> so I'm glad there was no phones, no evidence, no this. Yeah. Right.
said that you you practice like some of these moves like 10 or 15 times before but like you know i i always go off this saying the saying is like amateurs practice until they get it right and professionals practice until they can't get it wrong yeah so was that like the number 10 or 15 times before you would actually pull off these crazy stunts or like, yeah, was I mean, it like every day every night like how was it like yeah, well, there were some moves that were so gnarly, you only saved them for X Games because, really? I mean, there's still those moves. Like, my buddy Jack O'Strong from Australia was the first one to do a front flip on a dirt bike. And he doesn't practice that. He just brings it to X Games. He's like, I know I can do it. I'm going to do it there. The medics are there. It's like, it's, it's a very risky move. It's like, um, kind of like the double backflip. Yeah. You know, for me, the 360 was that move. I was like, I practice it very, I do it like once or twice, you know, during the week and, you know, before the event, make sure I had it and then go. Um, backflips were pretty standard. So we do like do the 50 of those a day, but those are combos, you know, backflip supermans, Indian airs, uh, you know, KOD flips, like all that stuff you'd practice a ton of times during the day. Uh, but the big tricks you kind of save for the big events for sure. That's crazy. Just winging it. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. basically like, you know, this is the safest place to do it technically with the medics being there. Like, yeah. You know, wow. That's so like, were you ever, did you ever have fear again after landing those like first initial tricks or like, did you just at a period in your life, just kind of block it all out and you can kind of just like try anything. I mean, there, I mean, we can get into the, I guess the point where I, you know, I had a lot of injuries and I'd say the, the, one of the worst injuries was when I did the 360 at X games, that was summer X. And then they had winter X, um, the next in January, summer was usually July, July or August. And then January 04, I think it was came summer and I'm or winter. And I was like big ice jump. It was like a hundred foot ice jump and, and um, double to du- like a double and, um, all ice. Cause it had to be, cause you ran big spikes in your tires to get traction. Uh-huh. And so I remember lining up for that and everyone expected me to do the 360. and I'm like, man, the lip was so mellow. And I'm like, I don't think I'm going to rotate it. Uh, and, and I'm like, you know what? Screw it. I'm sending it. I don't care. And, and I like went lined up on and I hit the jump in third gear. I usually hit it in second. So I was going a lot faster. The wheels rotation make it harder to spin going that fast. And, and so I came off the lip and I rotated it and I looked over my shoulder and started spinning and I just remember about halfway through my rotation stops and I'm like going towards my back and I'm, I'm above the ski lifts at this point. Like the ski lifts about 40 foot above the ground. And I have, I have pictures of this. If you go on like a Deegan's winter X games crash, you'll see I'm like so high in the air, uh, letting go of my bike. And I thought, okay, maybe I'll hit tranny and slide out of it. I ended up missing the landing and going all the way out to flats on the ice. And I hit so hard, it, it like shattered my, my hip in 10 spots and both wrists, you know, I shattered both wrists. And I remember trying to get up, my arms were like bent backwards and, and it hurt so bad. Like when you say like unbearable pain, like I was like, I couldn't even, it hurt so bad. And they had to put me on a sled and slide me down the hill. And I just remember hearing all my bones clicking, like, and, like knocking, you know, oh, like God. back and forth. Yeah. And they eventually at the end of the bottom of the hill gave me a shot of morphine that like took the edge off barely. And, and then I went into surgery and like, I, dude, it was gnarly. I had plates and screws everywhere. And then I came back the year after that to the same jump in uh, Winter X Games. And I'm like, man, all right, I'm here. And, and I came back. I didn't do the 360, but I came back and did some flip combination and ended up winning the event the next year. So for me, that was a big comeback for me personally, but still every little crash puts more fear in your head. So, you know, my, my, it started getting to the point where I I was so excited to line up at X games at the drop in, you know, that big drop in before the big trip, best air or um, best trick you drop in and 
I just remember that the starter would always go, okay, Deegan, your time, go, you're live TV. And I just eventually was so excited about those moments. And eventually those moments started scaring me. I started having nightmares of them. I started going, man, I'm so nervous. Like I'm so scared. I'm like the night before I can't sleep. And I'm like, I just get scared of getting hurt. I was like, to the point I broke so many bones that I was like, that moment started making me, I couldn't fight the fear anymore it was like getting to the point where it's like eating me and, and I, that's when i started going okay but what made that work the the final icing on the cake was i was doing viva la bam yeah i was gonna ask uh, you about that that's, yeah that's yeah like so this serious moment right there right? yeah yeah so that's what i'm saying i don't know if you guys were trying to feed into that or not but no, yeah, we, were, we were getting into it but you hey take it away take it away all right so this is I would say Winter X Games crash was one of my scariest moments for sure. But it was, I mean, my body hurt so bad because I was in so many pieces that, but I didn't feel like I was going to die. I was like, you know what? My limbs are all crooked and, and, but I don't feel like I'm going to die. I just feel like it hurts that, that hurts really bad. So I go to do, get invited to do Viva La Bam. And I, we had our crew, the militia crew. We, they knew we were rough. Bam's crew was rough. And then we kind of showed up to his little compound in Pennsylvania and, he, and I mean, it was like, okay, we're going to show these guys who's gnarlier, you know? Like, so we show up and we just start like destroying cars, blowing stuff up and, and like, and jumping all kinds of like, just dirt bikes and destroying everything. And, and then we end up going, well, you remember Don Vito? Yeah. So we're like, I get the campfire. We're like, ro- like roosting and running over, run them over dirt bikes and stuff. <laughs> and then, uh, it was the next day we had a shoot and they had Guar. Guar was playing. I don't know if you know many people know who Guar is. It's a like heavy metal band. They they're, yeah. they dress in these big costumes, with battle axes, and they like shoot blood out of their um, guitars and stuff. And uh, so they were playing while Bam was skating, and then I was supposed to backflip over him on a ramp to ramp setup, a ramp to dirt. And we've been hitting the ramp, and it got really windy that day. And I was riding with a couple of my militia guys, and in the wind, wind forty fifty mile per hour crosswind. And, and that's, I mean, the flags were going like, you know, it was like yeah. to the point where my, my guys were like, we ain't riding. It's too windy. And then the producer came over and was like, Hey, we need you to flip to the end of the show. And I was like, all right. I'm like, man, in my head, I'm like, dude, I don't want to flip. Like it's, it's so sketchy right now. And, and, um, and then I thought, you know what? And then the producer was like, oh, I thought, Oh man, I thought you could do it. And just started playing that. And I was like, yeah. all right, dude. And I was like, all right, I got, I'm going, I've got it. And so I line up and I'm like, dude, I don't even care. I'm sending it. So I come up to the ramp, and I just see the wind, it just dust, and, and I hit the ramp, and I just pull, and, and I look back, and the bike just rotates super slow. And I'm like, go, go, go. And I'm trying to, like, pump the bars, like, go, go, get it rotated. And they have coming up just, like, a couple of feet, couple of feet short on top of the knuckle on the landing. It was just enough to, like, not go down smooth. It was yeah. enough to, like, and the handlebars hit me in the stomach so hard under my chest plate. It exploded my kidney and my spleen, and uh, and I just like f- crashed on the ground. I laid there and I felt like someone shot me in the stomach with a shotgun, and I was burning like super super hot. And I'm like laying there, going, "All right, all right, it's gonna go away." Usually, you knock the wind out of yourself; it goes away, and you know it takes time. And it just started getting worse and worse. And I'm like, "No way!" And at this point, I'm looking at my stomach; it's getting bigger and bigger. It's growing like I'm pregnant, oh you know. And God. I'm like no freaking way and it's something i've never had before internal injuries are super scary because it's a mystery you know and and i'm like sitting there and then also my skin starts turning yellow you know and i'm like oh shit i'm like god dude i'm starting to bleed out and and i'm like you need to call medic call medic like you know call an ambulance they're like we don't have anyone on set 
and they like bring an ice and put an ice bag on my stomach. I'm like, dude, and I'm like, call a fucking medic now. Like I'm like, ambulance now. I'm gonna die. And and so I'm laying there, and my buddies are sitting around me. I'm like, dude, I'm like freaking gonna die. I'm like, feel like I feel like I'm like fading out, you know. And I'm like, no freaking way. I'm gonna die right here today on this stupid ass jump. And and uh, eventually, a fire truck got there. I'm like, just put me in the fire truck. Let's go to the hospital. And they put me in and, and I'm like the whole way to the hospital, which was a decent drive. Uh, I'm falling asleep. Like I can't, I'm trying to fight it. I'm trying to stay awake. Cause I was so bad. I'm like, want to go to sleep. And I'm like, no freaking way. Don't fall asleep. And I started chewing my tongue, you know? Cause I was like, dude, I got to stay awake. I'm yeah, not right. falling asleep. So I'm chewing my lip and I'm like, I have to stay awake. And, and I got, they rolled me into the ambulance or to the hospital and like all these doctors were waiting. And, and they roll me into these doctors and they, they check my blood pressure. They're like, okay, you have very light blood pressure. We're going to surgery right now. So we go, they go right in and the doctor leans over me. It was this, I just remember this is this Indian dude, uh, the surgeon. He looks over me. He's like, Hey, is there anything you want to tell your family? And I was like, no way. Like freaking dude, yeah, I'm going to die. Dude, you know, and, asking that. yeah. And it's like heavy, you know, I'm like, I just remember sitting there and I was punk, you know, I was like punk kid, punk guy, whatever. Like we were just rebel dudes. And, that was the most defining moment of my life to where I was just like, like reality hit me super hard, you know? And, and I think, you know, I got a wife, I got a kid at home. I got, you know, like all these things, my family, I started picturing my funeral, uh, picturing all these, like what's going to happen, you know, with, you know, everything in my life, if I'm dead and, and, uh, the doctor, and I look at the doctor and I'm just like, man, just, I, at this point I'm barely awake. Right. And, and I, and I just like, just tell him I love him. And, and then I just remember at that point, He's like, the doctor says, I'm going to do everything I can do. He's like, I don't know what's wrong with you. He's like, I'm going to go in. We're going to go into your stomach and we're going to find out what's wrong. And I said, I was like, all right. I like, I had, you know, just remember a mask. And he goes, and I just remember at that point going, please, God, let me live. I don't want to die. And I just like that point, it just like so real to me. I was like, please let me live. I just, it's like, I don't want to die. And it's so scary because you're at that point where they're putting a mask on you to, to, to gas you. And you're like, am I going to wake up? You know, and is this it? And I just remember at that point going like, and nothing else mattered. I, you know, it was like, it took that moment to go, man, my life is like, this is it. And and I just remember saying, like, please, God, let me live, let me live. And then I was like, don't let me die. I'm like, I swear I'll change my life. I'll change. I'm like, I'll never be bad again. Just let me live. And, and uh, I just remember thinking all these thoughts. And, and um, they put the mask on me. And I was out. And then, you know, I woke up. And I was in Pennsylvania. I live in California. So by the time I woke up, my wife, I woke up a look over and my wife's in the room. And, and, and my dad. And I'm like, whoa, how long was I in surgery? And there, and I look down, there's tubes everywhere. Like my whole stomach's cut open all the way from my chest to down, down past my belly button. And, and they're like uh, tubes just in, in your breathing machine, all this stuff. And I'm like, how long was that? They're like, you're in surgery for 12 hours. And, and they're like, and the doctor said that you survived through a piece of your kidney lodged into your artery. Cause I ripped my kidney off my artery is what oh, wow. I did. And I said, you should have bled out like within minutes, you know, like that was for surely a, death experience for sure and they said a chunk of my artery was lodged in, in, into my um uh, a chunk of my kidney was landing my artery and basically stopped the bleeding enough to get to the hot or whatever get me there and and so the doctor's like just pretty much a miracle you made it it was an hour until i got to surgery oh, wow. so he's like this is pretty much a miracle he's like you're very lucky to be alive and i just remember that was a life-changing experience you know and, and since that moment on 
you know, I was in the hospital for a while. I ended up, it's another whole story, but ended up kind of escaping the hospital. They wanted me to stay. And after two weeks, I was like, I have to get out of here. And and then my wife was sick, got sick at the hospital. And uh, she ended up finding out she was pregnant with my son Hayden at the hospital. So I'm like thinking all these weird, this stuff's just like unfolding. And I'm like, man, if I would have died and like all this would have happened. And, and so I ended up, you know, leaving the hospital and without their, (laughs) without their approval, because I'm like, dude, I'm out. It was a real sketchy hospital. Like, and so I ended up wheeling myself down in a wheelchair to the front desk and got a cab or got a car into the airport. And I remember walking into the airplane and I looked like death because I was lost probably all my weight, you know, and I was pale and just like sunken in eyes and, and I was still in my medical gown. And, and, um, and, and I was like, they're like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm good. And this is before in too much drama traveling. Right. And, and so they, okay. They, they're like, do you have a doctor's note? I'm like, I don't, like, I don't know. I'm, I, I just crashed on my dirt bike and I go, I'm fine. So I got on the plane, but the doctor said, he's like, if your stomach and stitches with inside you break free from the pressure of a plane, that's why he didn't want to release me. He's like, if you have turbulence or any pressure of that plane, you break open inside and you'll bleed. He's like, you're going to bleed to death. You won't make it to the ground by the time you, you bleed out. And I'm like, but I was like, dude, two weeks in the hospital. I'm like, I got to get out of here. So anyway, I fly home. And I was the whole time just sweaty, nervous. I'm like hitting those. Like, eh. I just remember, I'll never forget that flight. But anyway, I make it home. And that was the moment of just kind of going now. Now I do have this thought in my head and this fear of getting hurt and, you know, getting a second chance and, and so much stuff changed from that moment, but it took like almost dying to, to, to get to that point for sure. Yeah. I saw a video that right when you got home, your daughter like jumped on your stomach and you oh, yeah. going to die. <laughs> yeah. Which was gnarly because I had all the stitches inside and outside of my stomach and I was laying on the, I just remember getting home finally and I just felt so like crap. And there's pictures on the internet where I'm like standing there with all these stitches and I, lay, and I lay, I remember laying on the couch, just my daughter's three years old, Haley, runs and jumps on my stomach, you know, right off the bat. And I just remember going, Oh my God, I just thought for surely like it was like a bad, I mean, likely it wasn't, but I, yeah, I remember that too. There's some That's vivid crazy. moments for sure. So like, yeah. could you even like, when you had these stitches up and down your body, like, could you do anything like, like, you know, like taking a shower, doing normal things? Like, or was that all on standstill? a lot of people don't understand you know like when you break bones like the how big of a hassle it is like the yeah. hardest thing is to shower and, and there's other things too. I mean, there's a whole list of things but basically like when i broke both arms you can't even wipe your ass like <laughs> yeah you can't like dude you can't like That's you know you what i'm saying out if your girl is really <laughs> down for you right <laughs> yeah yeah so she would just use like a put toilet paper on the broomstick and <laughs> yeah it, it, like there's certain things that like my stomach though I had to keep it covered up. So I had like saran wrap my stomach and, and I took showers and stuff, but it had to be sealed off, you know? So, uh, that took, that injury took probably about a couple months until it, it healed up into where I could actually like, you know, function. And then once it healed up, it wasn't like a broken bone, a broken bone hurts for a while until the pain eventually goes away. Right. And, and then my stomach injury, it hurt for a little while. And then eventually it went away and it was fine. But, Still to this day, you know, I have one kidney and I look at it and I, you know, I still get exams once a year and, you know, my, my blood level, my levels are different. Like if I was to donate a kidney, like people that donate kidneys, like it changes your, the, your way of life as much as people think it's like, oh, it's fine. 
you know, my levels are different now. Like I have to eat different. I have to, I can't, you know, I had, at that point on, I couldn't pound alcohol. You know, I wasn't mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm going to go do shots of Jaeger again all night. You know, I don't, I couldn't really do that anymore. And so that definitely, I guess it took that to kind of change, you know? That's insane, man. Well, hey, we're glad you're still alive and you do this. But, you know, being being a father now, and I know I know your daughter races like full on cars. Like is she a NASCAR racer or something like that? Like Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So she she raced off because once I got hurt a bunch in the in the on the dirt bikes, I remember one of my sponsors was like, Do you want to try something different, like safer? So they were willing to pay for me to go try to race cars. So I mean that's 2010 X Games was the year I won X Games in Rally. And I think I did step up also like a dirt bike competition also. And so, um, anyway, my point with that is they gave me a chance to race cars and I thought, okay, this is my chance to get out of dirt bikes, uh, competition and quit beat myself up. So I went into car racing for Ford and went into truck racing and I focused on it. And the cool thing was, is I got back to racing because freestyle motocross was not racing. You know, when I raced as a kid, there was a certain adrenaline and vibe and competition and that you get from racing that I missed. And I got back into it with cars and trucks and it gave me that feeling again. So I was able to race and then I uh, started winning championships and, and uh, I focused on it so hard because I knew if I couldn't do it, if I wasn't good at it, I'd have to go back to dirt biking. Yeah. Uh, com- com- I still love and ride dirt bikes, but I don't compete on them at a level to get hurt all the time. And so anyway, I got into car racing Focus on that, winning championships, and my daughter, uh, I put her into carts and, and little mini off-road trucks when she was little just to keep her involved, and then the next thing you know, she's winning championships, and That's and she's kicking everyone's butt, like all the best up-and-coming boys. And then uh, that's when I thought about the future. I'm like, the future for a girl in racing is really the best spot is probably NASCAR was where the most money is straight up. I mean, that's where the the biggest opportunity is. So we put her into stock cars and she prevailed in that and started winning. So next thing you know, she got a five-year deal with Ford. And so she's, um, they're grooming her for NASCAR Cup. So, so she, you know, my last good girl was Danica, you know, Um, Danica Patrick and, she retired a few years ago. So there's, you know, definitely a big void right now. And I think there's a big opportunity for her. So that's, it's cool. That's incredible. And then I know that your son is like your prodigy dirt biker, right? <laughs> like he's winning everything in nationals, everything. Yeah. Yeah. Hayden, which when he was younger, you know, he started riding dirt bikes at three. Uh, he, he was ripping on like the kid was just a natural on two wheels. So we put him into motocross at six and then he started winning nationals and signing a factory deal with Kate Tam. And uh, so to this day, he's one of the most sought after youth amateur motocross oh, racers. Yeah. So he just, you know, raced the nationals that I raced as a kid. Uh, I, now we're back doing it with him and, and he's won everything. He's like pretty much undefeated in his age group around the world. Uh, so, yeah, which is crazy because you have two kids in two different sports. It's pretty tough, you know, just yeah. splitting the time. And, and But they're both champions. They're both winning. Uh, so it's, it's pretty cool. That's, that's crazy. Did you have any kind of like fear, like, you know, doing an extreme sport, you know, especially yeah. after all the injuries you had and stuff like just to be able to just be like, yeah, go, go do it. Or like, what was that like? You know? So my, my biggest fear is, you know, Haley rode dirt bikes when she was young, but I put her into carts cause the roll cage and then it was just safer. And, you know, I got, I break a bone about once a year doing dirt bikes. And, um, so when I went to cars, I didn't break a bone right when I got into cars, I went, you know, five years without breaking a bone because it's in a roll cage. I mean, caught on fire, you know, a few times, but it wasn't like, you know, I mean, you get out fast. 
uh, which Haley's caught on fire quite a few no times. Way. But um, you, you get out, you have a fireproof suit that, I mean, it lasts about three to five seconds before it gets through the suit. So it gives you time to get out. Uh, but, you know, uh, you know, they say in Hayden, uh, got, you know, he, he's doing uh, nationals now. Haley's chasing NASCAR. And then I have Hudson too, my youngest, who's uh, 10 years old, but he's still kind of trying to find his niche. But, uh, you know, overall, I, I, I like, I, I feel like car racing safe, dirt bikes is dangerous, and, <laughs> yeah. and, but, and it scares me very bad as a parent to have my kid on a dirt bike, but I built a supercross track for him as a young kid. I groomed him in a way that I think it's the safest possible way for him to ride a dirt bike. People watch him ride and they're like, his skill level is way beyond his years. It's because I watched all the things I did wrong, all the things I didn't have, all the things that made me crash and got rid of those. And I said, you know what? I'm going to give you the best supercross track and we're going to make a miniature one and you're going to master that. And every time you master it, it's going to grow. It's going to grow. That you're going to be so good at riding a dirt bike. By the time you turn pro, I'm not going to be nervous watching in the stands at Anaheim. I'm going to be like, he's got this. I basically grew up doing it. And we work on technique. That's what we work on nonstop. It's, we don't work on speed. Like, oh, let's go. got to go faster, twist throttle. It's all technique, technique. He is so good on a dirt bike that, you know, his, his crashes are very rare. You know, it's very rare. But, yes, is it a dangerous sport? For sure. You know, if you want to do freestyle motocross, I wouldn't, wouldn't support no. yeah. it. You know, he, he was the youngest kid to backflip a dirt bike. Um, How old was he when he backflipped? That's he was crazy. 10. Yeah, so he's 10, yeah. At 10 years old, I was playing with G.I. Joe's. Yeah, yeah. So he, like, we basically, he learned it in the foam pit because Jacko, which is his name, Jacko Strong from Australia, he's the multi-time X Games champ. Crazy Australian dude. Uh, uh, so he'd come stay at my house. I, we, I've known him since he was a little kid. And, and uh, he'd come stay at my house. So he always influenced Hayden to do gnarly stuff. And so we, you know, we're able to get these, these things, these airbags from, um, uh, bag jumper airbag. There's like companies that send these huge airbags. And so we put ramps to them so you can learn flips and tricks on them. And, uh, so Hayden was learning flips. And then one day I'm like, dude, okay. Like Jack goes like, dude, you got to do it to the dirt. I said, Hayden, if you, if you're going to do it to dirt, I want to be there. So yeah. let's, I, you know, I made the landing all soft and put the ramp up to the dirt. And I remember he was pretty nervous, but I'm like, he did like a hundred of them in the foam pit. So I'm like, Hayden, just do the exact same thing. Don't change anything. Pretend it's the foam, just line up and hit it. And he, and he remembers he's just a little kid, like talk, so baby talk, you know? Yeah. And uh, he's on, he's not, he's on, he's not on a pit bike either. He's on a normal dirt bike that he raced. Yeah. And he lines up to the ramp. He's like, kind of. I was like, okay, is he going to think about it? He just lines up, he looks at it, and he's like, goes at the ramp. I'm like, dude, I was so nervous. And he goes for it, and I remember running and, like, going under him like I was going to catch him if something went wrong, which would have never uh -huh. happened. And anyway, he comes running and lands a little sideways and swaps out of it and drives away. And I was like, no freaking way, dude. He just yeah, did a backflip at 10 years old. It's like world record deal. And I remember that day my wife called me. She's like, cause we were down the phone pit and Hayden was flipping and she was like, what's Hayden doing? And I'm like, ah, he's just in the phone pit messing around. She's like, okay, he better not backflip a dirt bike. And I was like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, and she was like straight up. She's like, dude, if you, if he backflips a dirt bike, me and you're done. And like, and I was like, she was so mad because she didn't want him to get hurt. Yeah, yeah, of course. And she didn't want him to go down my road, a free somewhere across this gnarly. Like, you know, I had to do it to make a living. And, and um, you know, the Hayden and Hudson and Haley, they have more, they have a choice of anything. 
they can do whatever they want because we're, you know, fortunate to have, you know, have resources now, which I didn't have in the, I, I had to do what I had to do to survive and, and, and to make a name and to get, to build who I was, but you know, Hayden didn't, but anyway, so he does the backflip and I remember my wife calling me and she's like, Hey, uh, what did Hayden do? And I'm like, how does she know already? Like, Mom she's like, within minutes. They just know. And I'm like, dude, I go, he just flipped the bike on his own and he basically landed it. So he's fine. And I'm like, he, I got tried to tell him not to, but <laughs> she was like, you're such an idiot. And I was like, all right, I can take that. I can yeah. take that. <laughs> wow. So there's some funny stuff that happens at our house for sure. And, you know, a lot of people have tried to get us to do a reality show and, and stuff like that. And, and I'm just like, you know what? I feel like we're happy with what, what, what we're doing. Our racing's good. Our media's fine through our social. We're controlling it our way. We edit it our way. I just, I've just kind of always say avoided it, to be honest, just because I'm like, I like doing things our way, you know? And, and that's kind of where we're at. That's sick. And if the people want to catch up on you, you know, they can go check them out on YouTube, the Deegans, right? It's yep. an awesome channel. You guys do some crazy stuff. I was watching a bunch of your videos yesterday and I was like, this family is insane. <laughs> if I ever got adopted by them, no way. It's not happening. I cannot yeah. keep up with you guys. You guys are crazy, but in a good way. Yeah, yeah. We try to keep it, keep it a, a fun channel and, you know, and keep it um, every day is kind of something new and uh, just follow our travels, right? We were always at a, at a dirt bike race, a freestyle deal, a NASCAR race, uh, we're, you know, and they're just young kids like chasing their dreams. So I think it's, it's a cool story, you know? For sure. For sure. So what's, what's next with you? Like, what do you, what's next? What's coming up? Yeah. So, you know, we, we, we have a house in California, we have a house in North Carolina, so uh, we stay out here for NASCAR. And uh, so Haley's got some NASCAR races coming up. I still race trucks. So I have a big, uh, it's called Crandon. It's this off-road championship race once a year that that's like, you know, a hundred grand to win or whatever. And it's, it's a big festival. You got like, you got, man, there's probably, you know, 50,000 people, fans show up. It's just, it's just this huge festival. And uh, so I got to race that in a couple weeks. Uh, you know, last year, I, I won't get into it too much, but last year, uh, the, the, let's just say it's like a crazy Woodstock crowd. Yeah. And I, and I bought this old junkie car last year, like uh, this old VW Jetta. Okay. And I bought it from just on the corner, shoot corner for 600 bucks. It's to, to just jump it, e-brake, film, whatever. Yeah. So we're rallying this car around town and jumping it and whatever. And then the last night they have these big parties in the pits and stuff. And I remember e-braking it, flying into this party where they have this big bonfire and stuff. And, and the guys, uh, I get out of the car and these guys are like, well, first of all, the car, I had a bunch of fireworks because it's legal there and you can have fireworks right. so, in Wisconsin. So, so there's fireworks and then some in the car and I'm like, so anyway, I pull up and, and these, I get out of the car and I'm like kind of hand, these dudes are like wasted and they jump, start jumping on the car, smashing it, whatever. And I, at that point I had the title in the car. I just give it to this guy. I'm like, you can have the car, take it. I don't want it. You know, I was like, I got to leave tomorrow anyway. Right. <laughs> so they start jumping on the car and then some dude lights the car on fire, dude. And oh, this car dude, starts going, dude. <laughs> it goes so gnarly on fire. Like it, and fireworks going everywhere. And, and I was like, no freaking way, dude. And it reminded me of the old days. It was like flashbacks. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, anyway, this is my first time going back to the town. So we'll see. See, see if they have a have a warrant out for me or yeah, something. They have wanted posters, all <laughs> they have wanted posters on the deal. Yeah. So yeah. So anyway, yeah, I got that coming up, and then 
uh, just kids motocross, motocross, you know, big nationals at the end of the year in Florida. Haley races NASCAR ARCA series almost every weekend. She'll do some truck races. That's when you get into the big three. The big three goes trucks, Xfinity cup cups, the big one. That's what, you know, NASCAR is known for on Sundays. Her goal is to make it to cup. If she can make it to cup and race at those high levels, that's where the big money is. And, you know, that's her goal for sure. Hell yeah, man. You know, we wish you guys the best, you know, uh, we're, we're definitely going to keep up with you. Where can the, uh, the people that are listening find you guys? Yeah. The best place is like, I update my Instagram, you know, every day it's just Brian Deegan 38. And then there's Haley Deegan, uh, we, you know, danger boy is Hayden's nickname. Uh, so it's danger boy Deegan. Uh, our big thing we put a lot of time into is, is the Deegan's YouTube channel right now. And just because that's where we can tell the best stories. And, and right. I feel like YouTube's had a good resurgence and, and, uh, you know, and I think Facebook's trying to do something now too. Our Facebook is strong, but I'm not, I haven't done much with TikTok. I do have a TikTok account. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. But thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It was awesome hearing yeah. your story, man. Like truly an honor to be here is talking to you, especially after this, you know, full, full circle. That's I want that Jersey. <laughs> yeah, He's going to hold you to it. If not, he's going to be tweeting at you. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> tweeting. Exactly. <laughs> I don't tweet. <laughs> I ain't that old. Anyways, you guys can send in your scares however you like. You can call them in or email whatever you prefer. The number is 626-275-8695, or you can email shareyourscarepod at gmail.com, and that is a U-R for the your. And, hey, possibly you'll end up on the podcast. Again, Brian Deegan, thank you for being on. You are a legend, and we appreciate you, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Wow, Deegan is the GOAT. Yeah, he's nuts. Before we go, I want to mention to you guys we're doing a merch giveaway. All you got to do is go to the Apple Podcasts page for Share Your Scare and leave a review. And five stars. Yes, do five stars and leave a review and you will be entered in to win some free merch. Good luck. Announcing next week.